Hi, pals. Welcome to Leaders Learning, a podcast of conversations with great leaders. I'm the host, Blaine Hill. About halfway through 2020, I wanted to hear from some really strong leaders in the church about how they are leading in the many challenges of the year. This podcast is the result of those conversations. Today, we'll hear from the Reverend Nikki Collins. Nikki Collins began serving as the coordinator for 1001 New Worshiping Communities of the Presbyterian Church USA in June 2018. Previously, she served Cherokee Presbytery as stated clerk and mission coordinator. Before that, she was the founder of Bear Bulb Coffee, a rich brew of full-service coffee shop, music and arts venue, and a home to a diverse group of disciples committed to shedding light in the world. Nikki has wonderful insight into how the challenges of the year reveal new gifts and highlight the broken places in our homes, our congregations, and the wider society. So 2020 has held some surprises for us. Have you been particularly surprised by anything in the church? You know, what has been the best surprise for me is to see how quickly the church pivoted. Um, When we were pushed to stay home um, back in March, it feels like for so long we've been talking about needing to change some of the ways we do ministry, take things online, engage some of the new technology and and I've just seen the church resist um, and hold tight and be fearful and not feel like they have time or bandwidth to do it. It wasn't valuable. We don't trust the platforms. And all of a sudden we were pushed into it and we did it really quickly. Um, and people of all ages did it um, and they did it gracefully. Uh, I mean, it was, it's been hard. I know I'm grateful. I'm not doing it every week, but I've watched people, you know, stumble and feel so, uncertain about what they were doing, but it was nice to see us finally move into some new spaces that we felt like we really weren't ready for, didn't need, and realized that um, they came with some great gifts. So, so the quickness with which the church pivoted was wonderful to see. It certainly felt uh, quick on the pivoting end, that's for sure. Um, you had like three days, right? To maybe? Yeah. yeah. Figure it out. And multiple times. I mean, it just flipped around time and time again. Uh, right. But, and and I, I would totally agree the congregation I'm serving uh, has been graceful, as you say, and uh, understanding and it, while they're in the midst of challenges, too. Right. Right. Um, it's been it's been beautiful to see that part. Um, and we'll keep pivoting. Right. Because we're not finished. <laughs> uh, oh, I think we're not finished with surprises even. I know. <laughs> I know. I really, I've struggled to lead in the midst of what are several large social upheavals. I mean, we've had COVID, COVID, police injustice, social protest, civil unrest, and remarkably powerful political divisions in our country. And I wonder what you have seen or learned about leading in the church with combined challenges, particularly with combined challenges at hand. Yes, it just, it feels overwhelming, right? Like, where do we right. put- our time and energy, how do we, how do we know what this moment is asking for a, of us? In, in the beginning, when it was just COVID, um, we were pushed to go deep and really think about what God is saying to us and what God is calling us to do. And the quarantine shelter in place order came with Lent. And so we all really had to, came to this new understanding of what it means to fast 
from the things that we love. Um, and for me, all of these hours at home under this roof with my children exposed some new gifts that I think we have as a family, but also clarified some broken spots too in the ways that we do life together. But I, I think that moment of stripping away um, that we experienced when the pandemic first hit and it was Lent and we, we were already in those thoughts about fasting and giving up and letting go. Those, I think that was incredible preparation for where we are now, where we've got this lingering pandemic and, and life is shifting and changing some, but it's not going back to the way it used to be. Um, and then, and then we have all of these things you listed going on in our culture, the political divisions, the social injustice, the um, protests and, and statements. And so we've got this exposure, right, of some of our gifts as the church that we're now aware of in new ways, but also the brokenness um, in the church and in the culture. And it is such a breaking place and a broken place. So... I think that as leaders, this is a moment to expose and explore our brokenness. A time for us to tell the truth about what our gifts really are, um, and a time to recognize the limitations of the gifts that we have. Um, it's a moment in which um, we are called to name our sin and our failure um, as, as leaders, as individuals, as the church, um, and to lead honestly, but with this humility that I think sometimes we lose sight of. Um, this morning, I was, um, I've been reading um, Henry Nouwen's book, Spiritual Formation. Um, in the 1001 movement, we're, we're working on building out our discipleship and spiritual formation part of our program. And we've got a group of leaders who are reading this book together and um, talking about it. And, um, and this morning, now, and I've been reading it during my own devotional time. This morning I was reading now, and he said, um, he's talking about resentment and gratitude. And um, he says, when I think about what it means to live and act in the name of Jesus, I realize that what I have to offer to others is not my intelligence, skill, power, influence, or connections, but my own human brokenness through which the love of God can manifest itself. Ministry is entering with our human brokenness into communion with others and speaking a word of hope. And I just think that all these things have come together, um, like you described, and it, and it exposes this brokenness. And while that, that can, could be this moment of discouragement and despair, it is actually a moment where we can do the most true ministry, I think, that we're able to do because, because we're leading from a different place and connecting with people at a real level. Um, not all the things that we put on ourselves that we're so proud of. Right. I really love the way that you've identified two halves of it too, that it, uh, the, the challenges of, uh, of today have identified some, some uh, broken or sinful things that we, we, I certainly don't want to look at, but it also perhaps has given us a chance to identify some gifts that we haven't made use of. That's really mm -hmm. a, a deep insight. I, I think uh, that perhaps if we're noticing one, we should attend to the other as well. Um, that it's a dual opportunity. You have a, a, um, a particularly unique perspective, I think, because you've served in uh, very much on the ground uh, in churches, but you're also in serving at the denomination. You're in touch more broadly 
uh, as well with lots of new congregations and through, through colleagues, uh, older congregations as well. I wonder um, if there's anything in general the year has shown you about the life of Christian congregations or Christian leadership. I think kind of like what I said in the beginning, um, it's beautiful to see the pivot. And the, and what I see from this place is that we really can do hard things. We we have not had that confidence in ourselves um, in, and in the spirit of God. We haven't had that confidence, I think, sometimes. Um, and But we can do hard things. And we are called to harder things yet. Um, you know, and and... We have been a stubborn lot as Presbyterians to give this lip service to reformed and always reforming. We talk about our desire for transformation in our churches, but really haven't been willing to let go of the structures and patterns that we relied on. And then this moment we've been forced to, and we can, <laughs> like we can let go. Um, it's exhausting and it, it's disorienting. Um, but the spirit is meeting us in the midst of it. And so just, I mean, God's promise to be with and abide with the church and sustain us. Like we really are experiencing the truth of that, um, that promise. I think the other thing that I've seen is that um, clergy have had to give up a lot of our role as experts, um, particularly in worship. And we have had to identify and lean on expertise that we don't have, particularly as it comes to technology recording, producing, editing, um, worship services and, and getting that. Um, and that's been an incredible opportunity for new leaders in the church to emerge. So I have seen, um, pastors really have to trust them (laughs) to help them, you know, their, their children, their youth to teach them how to do stuff. They, um, they have had to rely on folks in the congregation whose gifts normally, uh, of technology that normally just aren't, haven't been used beyond maybe running a soundboard on Sunday morning. So that has been incredible um, because I think that, that we really are seeing a new, a new generation of leaders um, quickly um, find their place in the church. But at the same time, my, my parents um, worship in a very large congregation um, here in the South. And, um, during this time when the emphasis has not been on church programs and committee meetings, um, they have received weekly, if not more than once a week, phone calls from the pastoral staff of their church and from other members um, in their congregation, their Sunday school class. And they describe feeling cared for and nurtured by their church in ways that I've never heard them describe before, you know? And so, um, we've gone, we have let go of so much of what we've had to, what we think makes up church, and gone back to these really simple things like checking on people and calling them and writing them notes. And um, and people, I think, are describing this sense of, of connection, to especially to their pastors. I mean, they may not feel like they're getting the same kind of community with a larger congregation, but I, I'm hearing people feel their pastors are so much more connected to them. Even when they worship on Zoom, it's like my pastor's in my living room now. Right. <laughs> you know? And so that is, um, so we, we may be doing this in this tech-rich way, but something is happening that is intimate and personal. And that's been a huge gift of this time. And I think um, a way that pastors are returning kind of to the heart of, of ministry and who we're called to be as 
people who care for a flock. So it, it is interesting that this time when we're separated has increased the need for us to be shepherding. I'm glad to hear your parents have experienced that. Um, I, I really love what you had to say when you were talking about the challenges we've had to face and we're able to do them. That's such an encouraging thing to observe. And of course, there are stumbles and breaks, but I appreciate so much your your word of encouragement there. Do you know, um, do you have any sense if, if uh, that close contact is emerging from organic relationships or structured things or how that's coming about? So in my parents' church, which is large and they've got a lot of staff, as my mom describes to me what is happening, I'm like, oh, well, they're taking the directory and dividing it up and <laughs> among the staff. And, you know, this week, this pastor's calling the C's and the D's. And next week, they're going to get a call from the other pastor. So I'm sure there's a lot of intention um, that is going into, um, into this connection and work. But I also think that there are places where um, God nudges us to say, wow, I wonder how so-and-so is doing it. And we write the note or we make the phone call um, and, and it just happens because the spirit does it. So like in my neighborhood um, a few weeks ago when we were really still being much more careful about social distancing and somebody decided to have a driveway happy hour and all these people who never really talked to each other all drug our lawn chairs out to the middle of the street and, you know, we're spaced quite apart, but conversations happened that I, I wouldn't have had otherwise because so many other things were stripped away. And I thought, well, here's a chance to get to know this person. Let's go do this different thing. So that's kind of organic, right? Yes. Right. If you had planned that last summer or last spring, uh, yeah, some people would have participated, but it, I, it's hard to imagine they would have the kind of connection. That, that I've heard people talking about when we have those opportunities. I know for sure that, that we have more people participating on through Zoom Sunday school classes than we would have had in, in-person Sunday school class been available. And, and some of them still may not have even been in person, but now they're participating in some way online. It's interesting. And all day on Sunday, I get to pop in on different people's worship services, right? Because <laughs> they're all on Facebook and I see them. And, I, you know, I've, I've worshiped with my home church. Um, I don't get to do that otherwise. And I've worshiped with some of our new worshiping communities. And, you know, that's been amazing. Um, yeah. That's, that's great to hear. We've talked a lot about changes and shifts and what's new. But one of the things that can happen in the midst of those shifts is confirming and maybe you've talked, you've talked about this a little bit, but anything uh, that's been confirmed for you in the life of the church so far this year? Well, I think it, it's confirmed to me that change is scary. <laughs> no, and, it's, <laughs> it's, and it's really hard work. Um, you know, I mean, just the emotional energy that goes along with all the time that folks have invested, it's a lot of work. But also, I think that... Um, change happens on a local scale and on, and on a micro level. Um, we always um, have heard people say, this kind of is, is going to some of the political and social things that are happening. But for me, it's very much connected to how I live my faith, um, that all politics are local, um, right? And we, we pay so much attention to the top of the ticket, but change happens in our local communities. And that's where we have an opportunity to have the biggest impact. 
annually because of my work and traveling a lot, which keeps me pretty disconnected from my local community. So um, the, our travels completely put on hold as um, denominational staff through the end of the year. So I'm here um, and I am able to, in as much as you know, social distancing allows, get to know my community. And so at the same time, um, we are thinking about the social issues and in in our city budgets and um, where we're putting our funds as a community. And so I've had this moment where I'm like, okay, girl, you're here. Find out what's going on in your community. Who are the people who are working on these things? Where is the resistance? And dig in and invest because if anything's going to change anywhere, it's going to change here. It's going to start with the work that we do right here. And I think that is true for us in the church too. Like all the shifts that need to be made need to be made first internally in our own hearts and lives and then in our little congregation. And as we watch all these shifts happen in our small local communities, we'll start to realize that we're being part of and pulled in this bigger tide that is the transformation of the whole. Um, at least I hope that that's what's happening. <laughs> I'll have a closing question about practical stuff, but I wonder if there's anything else that you you have been thinking about wanted wanted to share. You know, um, I think that one of the things that I've seen, and I feel like we really need to put some more energy and attention to as leaders in the church, is our equipping of, of what we call the domestic church and the ways that people um, engage the spirits movement in their everyday life. Um, the way that they recognize the holy in the ordinary movements and rhythms of their day at home. Where we're all spending so much time, right? Um, we, we have this opportunity to stop consuming church or offering church and programs as things to be consumed by people and, and really move to help parents become the people who model and teach faith to their children without some of the scaffolding of our building and our programs. Um, we have an opportunity for families to be formed together. To, I mean, just like parents had to become school teachers all of a sudden um, this fall, like we, this is a moment in which um, we can really equip families to nurture faith together and follow Jesus at home together. And I think that is going to change us as disciples um, more than we really understand. It has the potential to if we help people view their, their everyday ordinary life as the place where God meets them and where we're called to give and serve and love and worship. It's, it's uh, Roman, the Romans 12 um, passage about worship and especially Eugene Peterson's translation of it is probably one of the most formative texts for me about taking your everyday ordinary life um, and offering that to God as worship. And I think this is a moment in the church where we're called to do that and we can and we and we've had to what a beautiful insight i I really think that's wise you did you use the phrase domestic church the domestic church that's new to me i like that i'm I'm gonna have to dig into it community at home so uh, years ago someone gave me um a prayer book i don't know who edited or wrote it i don't know what happened to it but it was called prayers for the domestic church and it was liturgies um to bless and invoke God's blessing in the really earthy stuff of life at home and family. Right. When you've had an argument with your spouse, 
when you're sending your child to kindergarten or off to college, you know, I mean, these are the moments we all live in, right? Um, and so the opportunity to um, recognize the holiness and bless them, engage in the new liturgy of them, I think is beautiful. That's quite lovely um, and a great way to think about um, on having to, just having to, to be at home, but how, how we'll be good stewards of this perhaps undesired but very real opportunity. It brings to mind, I, I think I'm going to butcher the title, is it Carmen G- Gedelica? There's a collection of Gaelic prayers in which um, they're for prayers for things like uh, stirring the coals in the morning to relight the, rekindle the fire uh, in, a, in a home in a long ago. In a similar way, being aware of the Spirit as the Spirit is moving in our, our churches while we're at home the church being the body of Christ. That's really quite insightful. If you had one, uh, a practical suggestion, or maybe two, that you would like for church leaders to hear, well, what might that be? You know, the thing I really want church leaders to hear is that um, they need to take their vacation. <laughs> we, we, we may, I'm not kidding. We, we all need to take our vacation. We may not be able to do our annual beach trip or hiking time in the mountains or family reunion that we normally do. And it's, so it's tempting to just not take it because we can't go um, uh-huh. like we used to. But this has been exhausting work. Um, and, and I think that it is critical. Um, for us to take time away because we have a long way to go still. It, I mean, it, it's not over. Um, and so I think that we, we really need to reconnect with the people that we love, with our own souls, with the God who loves us and wants us to rest. Um, and we need that practice of trusting that God will sustain our ministry in our absence, even though it's so hard right now. Nobody knows what they're that's, that's, that's good... my practical word. Take your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> now you're reading my mail, Nikki. <laughs> uh, that's really good. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Nikki had some great insights into leading the church in this challenging year. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you will listen to our next conversation too. I would be very grateful if you shared this podcast with someone. And if you know someone who I should speak with on the Leaders Learning Podcast, send me an email to leaderslearning2020 at gmail.com. You can catch up on all of our conversations at our website, leaderslearning.net. Also, asking for a favor, please go give us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. Thank you so much.